looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God and Savior. And uh, if we lived in light of the fear of the Lord, we're talking about this tonight just a little bit, uh, we probably, if we recognize that he might come any time, uh, we probably live maybe a little bit, <laughs> a little bit differently and uh, maybe have a little more of a burden for souls. May the Lord help us to keep that in mind. I'm thankful for all the prayer meetings that I have been in over the years. And man, I hope you'll be here on Friday night if you can. Uh, we're going to meet at 8.30 and I hope you'll be here. Can you imagine though being in a prayer meeting with the Apostle Paul? When you look at the epistles, when you look at the, really the New Testament, uh, you find many recorded prayers of the Apostle Paul. Uh, his love, we looked at last week, for people didn't just stop with seeing them saved. He was burdened to see them go on. And uh, he was burdened not just to see them go on by preaching to them, but the Apostle Paul was a man of prayer and spent time in prayer for the believers that he ministered to. And again, you see that in other uh, letters, other epistles, not just here in First Thessalonians. Uh, but we're going to finish chapter number 3 tonight, and really, we, as we look at verse 11, 12, and 13, it is really uh, the Apostles' prayer list for this church. Do you have a prayer list? I hope you have a prayer list. I think a prayer list is important. I think it's important for a number of reasons. But obviously, the obvious is when I pray for something and God answers, I see that answer, and that answer then motivates me to pray more. Uh, sometimes our prayer lists are about us, like me, 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 do this for me, and me, and me, and me, and me, and uh, we have to get our eyes off of me and our eyes, our eyes onto others. And so let's look, I really just want to look at these three verses tonight, and we're just going to look at the three items on the Apostles' prayer list for the church at Thessalonica. Now God himself and our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ direct our way unto you. And the Lord make you to increase and abound in love one toward another and toward all men, even as we do toward you. To the end, he may establish your hearts unblameable in holiness before God, even our Father, at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ with all saints. Three specific requests tonight that we'll look at in just a minute. Let's bow and ask the Lord to meet with us. Lord, we love you tonight. Thank you for meeting with us already. Thank you for the body of Christ and how the body of Christ encourages one another. Thank you for uh, the verses that you've given to each of us. Lord, thank you for the songs you put on our heart. Thank you for manifesting your presence here this evening. I ask you would continue to do so as we look at your word. And I pray, Lord, that you would make us more like yourself and give us, Lord, a greater burden to pray for others. In Jesus' name, amen. I think a specific prayer request is important when you look at these three verses. He doesn't say, bless them, Lord. Bless them from the top of the head to the bottom of the feet. Bless them all over. What does that mean? <laughs> I know we sometimes use that as kind of a catchphrase, bless them, Lord. And God knows what we mean, and uh, there's a connection there. But the Apostle Paul is specific in his request to this church, or for, to God, for this church. I think his specific requests are important. I think, as I said already, uh, you will be able to see whether God answers your prayer or not. But one of the reasons I think a prayer list is important, specific requests, is because it will reveal what you're really praying for. We have a tendency to be selfish in our prayer. We have a tendency to lack in intercessory prayer 
or for prayer for other individuals. What do you want God to do? I don't know. Bless me. <laughs> you know, God, God hears. There's nothing too small for God. No request is too little. He cares about the little things. He cares about the big things. And um, as we look this morning, we looked at the challenges we have with people. Do you know sometimes God will have people to treat you in a less than a happy way because he wants you to pray for him? Sometimes God gives us insight into other people's needs as we interact with them and recognize, wow, they need prayer in this particular area. And uh, your prayer for others does make a difference. And sometimes we, and again, this is why I think it's important to be specific in our prayer requests, because God does answer prayer. And God answers our prayer not just for the needs that we have and the circumstances that we face, but God will answer prayer that we pray for other individuals. God will work on their behalf. Uh, We have a number of missionaries that we support, and uh, our missionaries, probably, I'm sure, um, probably all of them. We, we have some great missionaries that would probably rather have us pray for them than give us money if we had to choose one or the other. And uh, why? Because they see and understand and know the importance of prayer. So as the Apostle Paul is communicating to this church at Thessalonica, remember, they had not been saved all that long. He specifies his prayer, and I want us to see number one. He prays for growth in faith. He prays for growth in faith. Verse number 11. Now God himself and our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ direct our way unto you. In verse 10 he says that we might see your face and might perfect that which is lacking in your faith. He wanted them to grow in grace. He wanted them to grow in their faith. Now we know uh, he was an evangelist. The Bible tells us in Ephesians chapter 4 that God gifts the church, the gift of the pastor and the evangelist to do what? To equip the saints to do the work of the ministry, right? That they wouldn't be, uh, hence, as the Word of God says, tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine. And he wanted to see growth in their life in this area of faith. And so he prays for them concerning that. But think with me just a minute. How does faith grow? How does faith grow? There's a number of things that we could bring to the table, but let me share with you two ideas that we know already. The Bible says in James 1, the trying of your faith, right, the testing of your faith worketh patience. Someone said this, faith that cannot be tested cannot be trusted. And the circumstances that we face, hey, we're looking at believing God no matter what, right? We walk by faith, believing God no matter what. The no matter what are the circumstances and the challenges that we face in life. You remember Abraham and Isaac, and God said, hey, we are going to test the faith of Abraham. You know, it's easy for us to say, oh, I believe God. I believe God no matter what. Peter, I'm going to stand true no matter what. And the test comes, and he failed the test. Hey, he didn't fail in life. No, he just needed to recognize that he needed to grow in the area of believing God. God sometimes sends things our way, and we can, in our mind at least, kind of, can I use the term freak out? (laughs) Whoa, what am I going to? 
our response sometimes to the circumstances that come our way give us indication where our faith is if we're going to believe God and say, okay, I know I just got a bill for $10,000, but God is going to work somehow. Or we say, I got a bill for $10,000. What am I going to do? Oh, no, the world is caving in. It's all crashing in. And, you know, we can be the same way just listening to the news. When you see the, uh, the balloon, you know, the China balloon or whatever, uh-oh. It's going to explode and send EMPs, and we're all going to be, we're going to be, we're going to be all be destroyed. Ah! And we forget that God is our refuge and strength, a very present help and trouble. Therefore, will not we fear that the earth be removed, right? Or the mountains be carried in the midst of the sea. And so God allows then our faith to be tested. And uh, by the way, I love God's patience. I was thinking about Cain and Abel. You know, Cain offered the wrong sacrifice, and God said what? He kind of gave him a second chance, right? And he said, hey, sin lieth at the door. Here's another opportunity for you. And, of course, Cain didn't take it. A second aspect when it comes to praying uh, uh, for growth in faith, not only do we have the trying of our faith, but the Bible says this in Romans 10, faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Uh, The disciples asked the Lord, increase our faith, right? The more I know this here book, the more I grow in my faith. By the way, we need to remember that that faith isn't quantitative, it's durative. See, what do you mean? Okay, it's not that I have a box in my mind, right? And this is the faith box. And when I ask God to give me more faith, he fills that box more and more and more and more and more and more. It's not that at all. Jesus said, when the disciples asked, Lord, increase our faith, he said, if you have faith as the grain of a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, be removed, and it will be removed. The idea then is what? It's durative, or I'm going to believe God today, and tomorrow, when I face bad news, I'm going to believe God tomorrow, and I'm going to believe God the next day, and the next day. How many days in the week do we believe God consistently? You say, well, it depends on the day, right? It depends on the news. Do we not have a tendency to respond in Monday on fa- in faith? I respond in faith, but then Tuesday I find myself in a little bit of unbelief, right? Whoa, I come back to Wednesday and get back on track. You see that aspect of then durative, that aspect of believing God consistently day in and day out. That's why it's important that we get into the word of God because faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So when my faith is tested or tried and I've got truth, I'm going to what? I'm going to say, what does the Bible say? How do I obey the Bible? How does the Bible then affect me in my response to whatever it is? And so we want to, as we, as we think about growing faith, the apostle was concerned this church here was facing some challenges, persecution, and, and, and we see that. And Paul obviously got kicked out, and they continued to persecute the church. And he wanted them to continue. He wanted to see if their faith was growing. He was burdened. Lord, would you help them to increase in their faith? Let me ask you this question. Is your faith growing? See, well, pastor, how do I know? Well, there's a number of ways, but the, the, the most telltale way is how often during the week do we find ourselves 
losing it, and I don't mean like going postal or nothing, but I mean losing that peace of God that passes all understanding. Thou will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee. When I am growing in faith, I'm doing what? I'm trusting God more for each, as each thing comes my way. And the goal is for us to continue to walk by faith, believing God no matter what. And my goal for me and for us really this year is whatever we face, we would immediately have a spiritual learned response. I don't like this, but I'm going to believe God no matter what. I don't know about you. For me, uh, on a regular basis, I have to take a time out, time out to myself. You ever tell yourself time out self? So you talk to yourself, right? Just don't answer back to yourself. Right? So time out. You got to believe God no matter what. What does that mean? I don't know, but I'm going to believe God. And that aspect then of growing. Pray as you pray for others. As you pray for others, well, first pray that God will mature and strengthen your faith, and then pray that God would grow others in faith. You ever spend time with someone that is of mature faith? I mean, you just know they walk with the Lord. And I was talking to a preacher not recently, a brand new building, build a a brand new building, and uh, they're $5 million in debt. To me, I'd be just like you, Richard. Huh? What? That's crazy. We see, you know, like God built this building, and this and a million dollars came in, raised a million dollars, and, and God's going to provide, and we're going to build this other building. And I'm just like, wow. He had walked with the Lord for a long time. You ever been to Washington, D.C., and you, you pull in, you get to come in, and you see that monument that looks like this big? Yeah, oh, I ain't that big, you know. What are they talking about this monument? I see it on you know TV. You're not that big until you walk. The closer you get to it, the bigger it is. And when you're standing right there and looking up, you're like, "Wow, that thing is is massive." And you know, the closer we get to God, the bigger we see that God is, and we recognize that God can handle anything that comes our way. We walk by faith. And let's pray as we, as, we, as we get our prayer list for other people. Pray they will grow in faith. Number two, as we look at his prayer list, we'll find verse number uh, 12. And the Lord make you to increase and abound, not just increase, but abound in love, one toward another, but not just in the house, and toward all men, even as we do toward you. Now, when we face persecution, and this church was facing persecution, when, when problems come our way, we have a tendency, if we're not careful, to focus on us. We have a tendency to focus on, well, I'm going through a difficult time, and we can have a tendency to become more selfish. Because of the difficulty, obviously, we, we have to, let me see, ask God to help us to increase our love for other people, even in the midst of our trials, right? You know, people, hopefully this doesn't happen here at Victory Baptist Church at 930 on Sunday morning. And if it does, hopefully it'll change, right? But hopefully you don't come in and sit down and one person comes in and sit down and they dominate the conversation with all of their problems. Man, it's a bad week and my job and man, my leg hurts and my arm hurts and I'm going to the doctor here and I'm going to the doctor there and there's no time, right? <laughs> What's happened? What happened is that guy or gal 
is going through a lot, and they're thinking, how do I say this in a nice way? I won't be nice about it. They're thinking selfishly, right? We, we bear one another's burdens, right? But Paul's right to this church, and you think, why is he telling them that they need to increase in love for one another and for those that are without? So we're looking at what? We're looking at an increase in love, agape love's a term, giving of oneself without expecting anything in return for one another and for those people that aren't saved. I thought about this. How do we increase our love? We're praying, right, Lord, would you increase their love? Can we, can we do something about it? Well, I thought about this. The Bible tells us a number of times, it gives us an example of an individual that was compassionate. The Bible says in Matthew 6, when Jesus saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion. Matthew chapter number 9, why he saw them as sheep without a shepherd. In Mark chapter 14, in verse 14, the Bible says this, And Jesus went forth and saw a great multitude and was moved with compassion toward them, and he healed their sick. In Matthew 15, in verse 32, Then Jesus called the disciples unto him and said, I have compassion on the multitude because they continue with me now these three days and have nothing to eat. And I will send them away fasting lest they faint in the way. As we look at the life of the Lord Jesus, the one who was the most compassionate one, we have to recognize what is it about Jesus that, that helped. Can you say helped? He's the perfect son of God. What, what was a factor, let's say it this way, in the life of the Lord Jesus that caused him to be so compassionate about others? He was in the midst of people. He rubbed shoulders with people that had needs. He was, can we say it this way, he was in the trenches. The Bible says in Matthew chapter number 20 and verse number 32. Matthew, I'm just give you a couple more examples. And Jesus stood still and called them and said, What will ye that I should do unto you? They said unto him, Lord, that our eyes may be opened. So Jesus had compassion on them, touched their eyes, and immediately their eyes received sight. In Mark chapter number 1. And verse number 40, the Bible says this, And there came a leper to him, beseeching him, and kneeling down to him, and saying unto him, If thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. And Jesus, moved with compassion, put forth his hand and touched him, and said unto him, I will be clean. When we look at Jesus and we look at his interaction in Luke chapter number 7, Luke 7 and verse number 12. The Bible says, Now when he came nigh to the gate of the city, behold, there was a dead man carried out, the only son of his mother. And she was a widow, and much people of the city was with her. When the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her, and said unto her, Weep not. And he came and touched the pyre, and they that bare him stood still. And he said, Young man, I say unto thee, Arise. And he that was dead sat up and began to speak, and they delivered him to his mother. When you look at the life of the Lord Jesus, you see Jesus interacting with people that have needs. And I, 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 I submit to you, if we do not get out where people are, we will not have the compassion of the Lord Jesus. Do you know every one of us is rich? Wait, wait a minute, Pastor. How can you say I'm rich? Well, 
compared to a lot of the countries in this world, every one of us is rich. Hey, when you look at what we have and how God has been good to us, boy, there's many times I look at individuals and the lot in life that they have, and I think, I'm so glad for the lot in life that I have because I'm not sure what I would do with the lot in life that they have. But I tell you this, you want more of a compassion for people. We can pray about that, and we need to pray and ask the Lord to help us and help others to have a love for people and a compassion for people and a compassion for the lost. But you've got to get out there and get into the, to the can I use the term, the villages, the towns. Get in where people are, and you see the needs that people have. And that's what the Lord Jesus did. He was about people. And, and you get in there and you see individuals that are, that are on drugs. Many of you uh, know Brother Monty. Brother Monty's been here to preach. He lives in Avon, Indiana. He had a neighbor move in. The neighbor was a meth addict. How many of you like to have a neighbor as a meth addict? You think about that. My neighbor's a meth addict? Huh? Do you know his neighbor is saved now? Because there was a preacher that said, this is my neighbor, and I'm going to try to do what I can to reach my neighbor with the gospel of Jesus Christ. You see, for many of us, you think, I had the same thought. What? Whoa, your next door neighbor? Hold on just a second. You know, but, but we've got to be where people are. We were on the plane the other day flying back from Charlotte, and there was two guys sitting behind us. A guy directly behind me and another guy behind him and the other guy behind him. That guy had a bad attitude. And believe it or not, I behaved. I did not say one word. Okay, I didn't say one word. I didn't feel led to. I behaved myself. Now, if I would have been the stewardess lady, she was a very strong lady. I'm glad that she did what she did. I would have kicked the guy off the plane. But she kind of gave him a warning and the guy finally behaved. I don't know if the guy was an influencer. I don't know. The plane was delayed. Planes get delayed. And he starts complaining, and the guy next to him says, kind of validates him, if you would, and kind of tries to help him. Yeah, planes are delayed. And he said this, what are you talking, I'm not talking to you. Be quiet. Don't talk to me anymore. And to make a long story short, they exchanged words. The guy sitting behind me stood up for himself. The other guy was totally in the wrong, and he was about to have a fight break out. I'm thinking, oh, these guys are going to have a fight in this plane, and, and finally the stewardess lady came down, and she kind of corrected this and that. And the guy here said, can I sit somewhere else? And she said, sure, you can sit somewhere else. And by the way, in the middle of the conversation, the guy's like, I'm not afraid of you, man. I got these. I got these right here. And the guy was just off. He was just off. And I'm thinking, whatever. And all everybody around us is thinking that guy needs to just be quiet. The guy behind me moved 15 row to row 15. That wasn't 15 rows. He moved to row 15. We got up and walked past us off, us all. He had no left arm at all. And he's walking up. And boy, you see a guy like that, and you see a guy like this, who probably didn't know he didn't have an arm. I'm thinking, you see that? I didn't say anything, but I'm thinking, I hope that guy sees that guy didn't have an arm. You know, this guy had two arms and a big mouth. I mean, big, big mouth. <laughs> Sorry. He's not here to defend himself. But the reality is, my wife immediately said, oh. Look at that guy. He didn't have an arm. And I tell you, people are hurting everywhere you go. I was explaining this to somebody recently. You know, all of us have problems, right? Some people, 
they have physical issues. God allows physical difficulties, cancer, whatever, in their life. Uh, some seem to be more challenged financially. You know, uh, when Brother Monty and I went to college together, I've known him for 37 years, his mom paid his school bill, and he had some lady in his church send him 100 bucks a month. Her name was Mrs. Burns. She's in heaven now. And I used to call her Burns Bucks, you know. I paid my own school bill, and I had to work for, 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 for food, right? His dad died when he was in seventh grade. He might have gone to hell. My dad's still living right now, probably watching. Hi, Dad, in case he's watching. You know, the reality is I can look at someone else and say, well, his school bill got paid for. And, you know, we all have, we all have a, a cross to bear. Can I say it that way? And, and we need to recognize that people are hurting and people need love. By this shall all men know that you're my disciples if you have love one for another. We're very quick to be hard on people. And I'm not saying we shouldn't correct people. But when we correct people, they shouldn't leave us and feel like I'm a failure. I'm never going to amount to anything. I'm good for nothing. I should quit. <laughs> they, they need to see that we believe in people. We all have problems. We all make mistakes. And we need to forgive and love and ask God to help us all move forward by his grace. And we don't know exactly why God led Paul to tell this Thess church of Thessalonica, I'm praying for you, increase in love one toward another. But it could be that we have a tendency to be self-centered. Look at your prayer list at home. Go home tonight look at your prayer list. Say, Lord, am I, how much of it is, is me and all the... How much is it other, other individuals? Um, number three, and we'll be finished. Interesting, he says this in verse 13, to the end he may establish your hearts, unblameable in holiness before God, even our Father, at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ with all saints. The aspect of prayer for established hearts, the word established means strengthened, more firm. We're looking at this matter of being unblameable in holiness. One commentator said this, Paul wanted them to be pure at heart so as to desire the coming of the Lord who is the judge. The apostle knew that the promise of Christ's return to rapture and reward the church is the essence of believers purifying hope. Believers knowing that when Christ comes to reward his people, they will have their works evaluated before the judgment seat. That's a motivation to holiness, unblameable in holiness before God at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. If their hearts were pure, clean, and righteous, they would be able to stand against the temptation and obviously obey the Lord and be pure or right, if you would, before him at his coming. It ought to, it ought to motivate us when we think concerning standing before the Lord. It ought to motivate us to live godly. I was thinking about this. A thought came to mind while Brother Scott was teaching Sunday school this morning in Exodus 3 with Moses. He was at the burning bush, and God told him to remove his shoes. Why? Because he was on holy ground. In Joshua chapter number 5, Joshua means really a 
Christophany, pre-incarnate Christ there, the captain of the host of the Lord. Do you know what Joshua does? He falls down. In Luke chapter number 5, Peter is told by Jesus to cast the net on the other side of the boat. They didn't catch any fish that night. They'd been fishing all night. They got a huge catch of fish. Peter recognizes that he's dealing with the Lord, and he falls at his feet and says, Depart from me, I am a sinful man. In Isaiah chapter number 6, Isaiah sees the Lord high and lifted up. And Isaiah's response when he sees the angel saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God of hosts. He says, Woe is me, for I am undone. For I am a man of unclean lips. In Revelation chapter 1 and verse number 17, the apostle John has a a, a vision. He sees Christ in all of his holiness. The Bible said he fell at his feet as dead. Philippians chapter 2, at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that he is Lord. Can we look for a minute at 1 Peter chapter number 1? 1 Peter chapter number 1, we recognize God is a holy God. And as we see him high and lifted up and we picture in our minds the angels that would sing holy 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 we read first peter chapter number one and the bible says this verse 13 wherefore gird up the loins of your mind be sober and hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of jesus christ as obedient children not fashioning yourselves according to the former lusts in your ignorance Why would you want to go back to the things of the world, to the lifestyle of the world? Don't do that. But what? Rather this. But as he which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation. Because it is written, be ye holy, for I am holy. In all manner of lifestyle, we're to be holy as he is holy. See, how in the world is that possible? The Holy Ghost of God, the Holy Spirit of God lives in you and me. And he does what? He conforms us to the image of his Son. And the Apostle Paul is trying to help this church at Thessalonica to see, hey, I'm praying for you, that when you, can I just summarize it this way, that when you stand before God at his coming, you'll hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant. You see, it's not God's intent for us to stay the same today as we were yesterday. Every day with Jesus, the songwriter said, is sweeter than the day before. The more time I spend with God, the more I am to become like him. And what is he like? Holy, holy, holy. Hey, there were some things in the lives of the Thessalonians that needed to change. Well, they don't change overnight. By the way, a lot did change right away. When you look at chapter number one, a lot changed right, right away. But the Apostle Paul said, hey, I'm praying for you. That you be, in, in, again, summarizing, conformed to the image. That you would allow God to, make, to, to, to produce in your life. Yes, we're positionally, but practically to produce holiness in your life. 
it's so important for us to recognize we live in a world that is anti-God. Peter said, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lust, which war against your soul. I, I know we stand before God as individuals. I get that. But can we use our imagination to illustrate just for a second? Imagine that you are standing before God with the individual on your prayer list, and God communicates to them. It ought to excite, and again, I'm making this up for the illustration, but it ought to excite the individual that is praying for someone else to be conformed to his son, to hear God say of them, well done, thou good and faithful servant. You see, progress in the life of individuals spiritually should encourage us as we pray for them. You know, what, I'll tell you this and we'll be finished. One of the most frustrating things that I faced as a youth pastor for a number of years was when young people would get a hold of God and they would begin to make changes in their life spiritually. And the parents would say, hey, what are you doing? You see, you're you're only going this far, buddy. You're not getting rid of the music in our house. Uh, You're not going to change that much. And that's a shame. It really is a shame. Because why? Because we ought to have the heart of the Apostle Paul that's, that's praying that those in the sphere of our influence would make changes and become more godly each and every day. By the way, if I'm not growing in Christ's likeness, those in my sphere of influence aren't going to either. And sometimes we get excited, you get excited, and you're like, poof, we're like, man, we're taking off like a rocket ship. And then sometimes we can plateau in our spirits. Like, oh, I've been saved for 25 years, and I got my convictions and my standards, and I'm not moving. Well, hold on just a second. <laughs> what did you learn about God yesterday? What changes have you made in your life that God wants you to make today? It's about growth in Christ's likeness. By the way, you read these prayers of the Apostle Paul for these different churches, and and they're throughout, and they're all really, uh, quite frankly, they're really convicting. And uh, I'm sure he prayed for physical needs as well. But man, you look at the spiritual burden that he has for other people. And that ought to be the spiritual burden that we have for other people. What's on your prayer list? How much are you praying for others? When we think about it, I think of what Samuel said, God forbid that I should sin against the Lord in ceasing to pray for you. Prayer makes a difference. And it will make a difference in the lives of the individuals that God has put in our sphere of influence if we'll pray as the Apostle Paul did. Lord, we love you tonight. Thank you for...